Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute to talk to you about making authentic friendships. You might remember the founder, Juliana Featherman, from episode 34 of Adventures in Autism. She is an autism sibling who created this amazing interactive web app that enables children ages 13 and up and adults with special needs to make friends based on age, interest, diagnosis, and geographic location. Parents and caregivers can also sign up to connect with other parents and caregivers. For more info or to sign up, head to makingauthenticfriendships.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 110. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen if it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. I just every week have to start by saying thank you so much to everyone who listens and supports the show and reaches out. I've heard from a few new listeners this week, which always makes me so happy. I love hearing that people are listening, but also, you know, getting feedback and messages from you guys. It really is like the reason why I do this, knowing that, you know, the show is resonating with people and people connect to it. It just warms my heart. So thank you so much for listening. And for everyone who takes the time to send, you know, messages or emails or DMs, if you are enjoying the show, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review on Apple Podcast. That really helps other people to find the show. And I just appreciate those reviews so much. I do a little happy dance every time I see a new review. Um, so if you have a minute and you can leave a few kind words, it'd be awesome. But also if you could just tap that five star, that really helps too. And I would be so grateful. So today I am really excited. My guest is an autism dad. His name is Fred Marvel. And this was a really fun episode to do because Fred and I have been in correspondence for a while. He's been a listener of the show for several months now, um, if not more. And he's just someone who is like my buddy. Like we talk (laughs) after many episodes, he'll say, oh, I really like this episode. I related to this. And um, yeah, we've just had like a really great kind of, you know, virtual friendship. And he had had reached out and said that he was interested in being a guest. So I was really excited to have him on and sort of hear more of his story, which is very unique. And I don't want to give too much away. I'll let him tell it. But the the start of his journey with his son was definitely different than any I had heard before. And his son is 10 now, so he is getting a little bit of a later diagnosis. So like I said, I'm not going to say anymore. I'll let Fred tell it. Um, but it is just a really, a really great, a really inspiring journey to hear, you know, kind of how far his, his son has come. And then another really exciting thing is that 
not long after Fred and I recorded this episode, which we recorded just a couple months ago, he actually started his own podcast. So he has the Spectrum Dad podcast, which I'm super excited about because I often get messages from people saying, I love your show. And I'm wondering if there is a show that's more kind of targeted for dads. And I usually don't have an answer to that question, but now I do. So, you know, if you are an autism dad listening, I think you should definitely check out the Spectrum podcast. Um, But really anyone, I feel like it's so funny. When I started Adventures in Autism, I really started it because I couldn't find a podcast like this one. And, you know, the past couple years since I've had this show, there are so many more autism podcasts. And my thought is always like the more the merrier because I feel like I remember what it was like to be a new autism parent and, you know, just navigating this world. And I know how beneficial an autism podcast would have been for me. And like I said, I couldn't find one. So knowing now that there are so many and, you know, they're, they're all similar, but different. So it's like, there's something for everyone to listen to, or you can just listen to them all and just get, you know, different perspective from everybody. I just feel like the more, you know, kind of voices out there advocating and, supporting parents on this journey and those on the spectrum themselves, the better. So I was really excited when Fred had said that he was interested in starting a podcast and I am so happy for him that he went ahead and did it. So yeah, definitely check out the Spectrum Dad. Um, And I'm going to get into today's episode. I do want to give one little disclaimer. We had a bit of an audio issue uh, there was a little bit of a delay. So in the in the beginning and in the kind of at the end, there's some like overlapping. Most of the episode is totally fine. And everything Fred says comes in clearly. It just, the the like I said, the very beginning and the very end have like sort of a weird delay. Uh, it sounds like I'm like a, a mind reader or Fred's a mind reader. <laughs> One of us is a mind reader. Um, but like I said, the, the episode... I think is really important and their, their journey really is so unique and I wanted everyone to get to hear this one. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Fred. Hi Fred, welcome to Adventures in Autism. I'm good, hey, Megan, how, how are you? Doing? I'm super excited good. to have you on. I feel like you and I have been in correspondence for a while now and I know. Yeah, and and obviously I know a little bit about your story from what you filled me in on, but I'm, I'm really excited to hear it from you. Cause like we were just discussing, you guys do have a pretty unique journey with your son, Alex. So if you would take us back <laughs> to the beginning and tell us what that looked like, I would love to hear. Yeah, sure. Um, he, Alex was born with absolutely like no issues. He was at first, uh, he was born in 2009. Um, at the time, my, you know, both my wife and I were still working full time. So a friend of ours was babysitting him until we had a babysitter lined up, but she couldn't start for, you know, our schedules weren't syncing up. So we had somebody to watch him in the interim and somebody in the neighborhood. And so he was, Alex was hitting all his milestones. And uh, my wife was also working in the neighborhood, stopped by, just happened to stop by at lunch one day to see how Alex was doing and something didn't seem right to her. Like he was not himself, uh, you know, so she took him right away to the pediatrician 
And then the pediatrician knew something was going on, but didn't really clue my wife in because she didn't want my wife to worry. So she sent my wife directly to the emergency room. And then my wife, you know, called me to meet her over there and like, oh, God, what are we doing now? Because, you know, she was getting on me about flu shots. And I'm thinking I'm going to hear it now if he's got the flu and he's only like four months old. This is December 2009. And we get to the hospital and they know what's going on right away. We're first time parents and they look at us and like, uh, you know, somebody's been hitting this child. Oh he's God. shaking. They said he's got shaken baby syndrome. And we're looking at each other like, like, what are you talking about? Like, he's never had a bruise or a mark or he's hit. He's only four months old, but he's still mm -hmm. hit all his milestones. So right away, like they're looking at us like, you know, like that right. we did it because we're bringing this kid in and we have no explanation for his injuries. Uh, he wound up being uh, diagnosed with shaken baby syndrome. He had hemorrhages on his brain. He had bleeding on his brain. He had a concussion and he had retinal hemorrhages bleeding behind both of his eyes. Um, so after we're in the hospital for a couple of days, part of their protocol, because we're bringing in a child that's been abused, is to get mm -hmm. DHS involved. And because we didn't have a story, then DHS put us under restrictions. We could not be in the hospital room alone with our son. We had to be supervised by the doctors, by a nurse, by, uh, luckily, our parents, mm -hmm. you know, um, they could, they, but we could not be alone with our son. And it wasn't until we're in the hospital for a couple of days that they say that the babysitter finally called and said, well, you know, I was trying to feed him and then I stood up and I dropped him. Oh my gosh. And it's like, yeah. So, you know, why wouldn't you tell us this before? You know, because we ha had absolutely no explanation for why this kid has all these injuries. And did you guys think, like, so, maybe this, the babysitter had been abusing him? Or did, like, your brain just not go there? No, our brain didn't go there because he was a, fr he was a family friend. It wasn't like somebody we found, you know, on, yeah. you know, on the Internet or a classified ad or anything. He was, it, was, wow. it was a family friend. Um, so, anyway... You know, we, we get through everything with DHS and, you know, they were in the clear there. Um, and then about our Alex was in the hospital for about eight days and he finally gets out right before Christmas. Um, but because he had the bleeding on his brain, he had a lot of swelling in his head and everything. And they said, um, you know, they gave us signs to look out for in case the uh the blood was starting to put too much mm -hmm. pressure on his head. So about a month later in January, he just had a rough night with his sleep. Um, so we're like, oh, this, is, this doesn't, you know, something's off here. So we bring him back to the ER and, the, you know, the pressure was just building up too much. So they had to put a shunt in his head. He had brain surgery in January of mm -hmm. 2010. So that was another week in the hospital. And that time... Uh, before we even get out of the hospital, we're starting with OTPT in the hospital because, you know, he was five months old. He had head control. Uh, you know, he was, I can't remember if he was like rolling back and forth, but he was, you know, he lost all, all oh. the progress he made. It was basically like starting with a newborn again, having to support his head, 
when we hold mm-hmm. them and things like that. So we were super aggressive with all his PT and OT. Um, started with early intervention coming out to our house. We would bring him to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia for all sorts of therapy. And then, um, you know, long, eventually he makes a miraculous recovery mm-hmm. and is discharged, is perfectly fine. So fast forward, he's three years old. And we're like, okay, let's, you know, let's start him in, in daycare. Let's, you know, let's get him like back at, around some kids his age and things like that. So we put him into daycare in the neighborhood. Again, like not having any idea that anything else was going on. And daycare only lasted about six months because uh, then he started, I guess, you know, new parents, you don't really know what to look for. You know, he's having trouble sitting mm-hmm. when he's told to sit. Uh, you know, uh, he would try and hit the teachers. He would run out of the classroom eloping and all that kind of stuff. Um, but thankfully, the lady that owned the daycare was uh, really helpful and kind of clued us in. Like, I mm-hmm. think you might, you know, like thinking along the lines of like ADHD, sensory process and things like that. So she pointed us in the direction to get him evaluated by uh, you know, all those people. So we're back down to the developmental pediatrician and got him evaluated and they diagnosed him with ADHD and sensory processing disorder. Mm-hmm. He was three years old. So then it's back to OT at our house, OT at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. Um, uh, you know, that went on for probably about a year and then we found see this is uh funny how we were just talking about things change we we found a reverse mainstream school it was called at the time in our neighborhood where they mix typical kids with you know kids that need a little extra help um so we did that and alex had a tss with him like a therapeutic staff support i think they're called just somebody assigned to him to make sure he's not you know, like an aide trying to run away or take yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. So he did that. He went there for a couple years and everything was great. And that school was great because he could go out. They had uh, OT and PT for him mm-hmm. in the school, too. So, you know, he was in class with typical peers. And then he'd get pulled out with like a small group of kids so he didn't have to feel singled out or anything like that or you know him and a buddy stuff like that and they would do his pt sessions in school and we were still taking him to children's hospital we still had sessions in our house and things like that um so he finishes up there we start him in kindergarten uh in a typical kindergarten in our neighborhood he goes to a charter school and things are going great up until like second grade that, you know, we finally decide he doesn't need the TSS or anything like that anymore. Uh, he's been doing really good. Grades are good. Behavior's good. Mm-hmm. Everything like that. But then, you know, third grade is like, um, you know, he mm-hmm. kind of hit like a brick wall. Like uh, all of a sudden it's not as, there's not as much playtime. Mm-hmm. He can't relax as much. Um, so a lot more, a lot more academics, um, so all his behavior issues cropped up again. He wasn't like trying to hit his teachers or eloping or anything, but 
you know, it was obvious mm-hmm. he needed some help. So we had him evaluated by the school district and, you know, they were, they were great. They came back with, well, he's got problems with this, this, and this, like working memory. Um, if he had a multiple choice test and he had four choices, that was too distracting. So let's bump it down to three choices for him. Uh, let's move all his tests off the computer. We'll print everything mm-hmm. out for him, things like that. So that really helped. And that's around, right around the time we started him with ADHD mm-hmm. medication. Um, and then, so he, he's doing well. And then, but we still notice as he's getting older, he's having more social problems, just like interacting with kids his own age. He does, he would do activities. He does karate. He used to do basketball and baseball, things like that. And nine times out of 10, he was always off on his own, like off on the side, not really talking, not Mm -hmm. interacting, things like that. It, he could, if it was something he was comfortable talking about, if it was something he was okay with and interested in, but, you know, more often than not, he's just off by himself. So, um, we started, you know, just having some questions like, I, you know, that's around the time I started looking for podcasts on ADHD and SPD because, in our neighborhood, I'm in our group of friends and our family and everything. I'm the only one. We're the only ones with, uh, you know, a kid yeah. that has those issues. So I don't really have. I, we didn't really have anyone. I'm like, well, is your kid going through something similar? You know, things like that. So I happened to find this podcast of a family, basically like it's just like your podcast. Although I don't think <laughs> they do it anymore. They have a little boy that was a little bit younger than Alex, uh, but he was also diagnosed with autism in addition to SPD and ADHD. And when they're describing their little boy, I'm like, oh man, that sounds just like Alex. Like a lot of the stuff that I didn't realize was part Mm -hmm. of autism. You know, with the hand flapping and every, you know, some of the little, some of the more quirky things, like every time we go to an amusement park or a zoo or anything like that. He's got to get a map, even though we've been there a million times, yeah. and, you know, his routines and things like that. And it's like, Oh man, this sounds just mm-hmm. like they're talking about Alex. So he was seeing a behavior therapist and I asked her, I said, yeah, tell me if you think I'm completely off base, but is there a possibility that he could be on the autism spectrum? And she says, you know, I was actually just sitting here thinking about how to, uh, bring oh, wow. this up to my wife and I, you know, she didn't, uh, you know, she was trying to think of the best way to bring that up to us. I don't know if she felt we were well, yeah, it's, or, it's you know, especially like, because you know. I mean, at that point, it sounds like you guys, I mean, you've been, you know, doing everything that you could for him, you know? Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, we started, the ADOS testing got through half of it, the part of it where they talked to my wife and I, we were in there for like, I don't know, like three, four hours asking us all sorts of questions. And we had Alex scheduled to get observed when uh, the yeah. uh, COVID shut everything down. <laughs> you know, so that was, mm-hmm. that was March. And um, at least here in Philadelphia, things started to open up a little bit in, 
you know, June, early summer. So, um, you know, the place where we took him for testing, they weren't open for any type of, like, in-person visits or anything. But since he's been dealing with this agency since he was, since he was three, they were the ones with the TSS and everybody else. And, the, and they would send the uh, OTs out to our house and everything like that. They said they would diagnose him uh, based on the information they already have and then finish the his portion of the ADOS testing once, you know, once they open back mm-hmm. up for in-person visits. So that's where we're at now. Um, he's going to start ABA therapy. We have an intake call actually tomorrow with them and then. Uh, I guess they'll evaluate him somehow to see what he needs, like how much he needs, how many hours a week and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Wow. Such a journey. Um, I I really, like, <laughs> like I said, when you had, you know, expressed interest to be on the podcast, I was so excited to have you because I feel like it's so interesting how, you know, all of our stories be so different and yet kind of united in the same way. Um, but yeah, you right. guys really do have such a unique journey, obviously just starting from like the time Alex was a baby, uh, truly listening to that, that story with the whole shaken baby syndrome, like just chills me to the bone. I honestly, I give you and your wife so much credit for going through that and getting yeah. through that. I can't even imagine, especially like with your firstborn. I mean, parents were already like so cuckoo, at least I was at that time. Like I can't. I, I don't oh, know yeah. how I would have come back from that, honestly. So you guys are stars, truly, for, for yeah. just going through all that. Um, I'm sure it did probably just make you so strong as parents, like, right out the gate, you know? Um, and- yeah, like, it, and that really helped us yeah. learn to adv- advocate for Alex because uh, – we did not have a good experience with DHS and the mm-hmm. district attorney's office. So right away, like, you know, I don't think any of us were, either of us were really, you know, like type a, you know, fighters, but, you know, going through what we went through, it's like, all right, now, you know, we kind of divided and conquered. Like my wife was the rock star dealing with all of the, you know, specialist appointments and the OT appointments and the P, you know, and I was dealing with uh, DHS and the, and the district attorney's office and the police officers and things like that. Um, but it really kind of prepped us for, you know, if we think he needs something, if we think something's not being done, then, you know, the only way you're going to get so it is true. by speaking up. Yeah. It, it is so interesting how, like you can look back on other things in your life and be like, oh, that really like prep me for this, you know, what I'm going through now. Um, yeah. And yeah, like you said, it really taught you to to advocate and, you know, step up to to just get what he needs, um, which is interesting because with with um, like you and I were talking about before we started recording, you know, Alex is, is 10, you said. And I do feel like things were just so right. different then. And I, I honestly do wonder if you know, in a different world, if he were to be getting diagnosed now at age three, like what that would have looked like. Right. Cause he had a neuropsych evaluation done when he was, 
I guess he was like three, four years old around that time frame. And they said he had autistic mm. symptoms then, but not enough mm-hmm. to put him on the spectrum. You know, and my wife and I, like like I said before, we didn't know anybody with, uh, you know, any kids that were on the spectrum or anybody on this. I don't know anybody mm. on the spectrum mm-hmm. besides Alex, you know. So I really didn't have anything to mm-hmm. compare it to. You know, I mean, like, you know, physically he caught up. He was a little, you know, he's a little, he's uncoordinated. He has trouble with like low muscle tone and things like that. But, you know, for the most part, he seemed like, uh, like an average, mm-hmm. an average boy. Now I know you have, you but, have younger two sons, right? Yes. Yeah. We have another one. He's going to be He's going to be three on Saturday, and then we oh have a seven-year-old. Three, I give you boys. a lot of credit for that. <laughs> my sister-in-law, <laughs> four boys. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know my poor wife. I still feel yeah. Well, I mean, their boys are great too, though. But they are a lot of work, aren't they? So, although it's like girls, I was just saying. This oh yeah. Logan's he's he's a newer therapist, uh, ABA therapist, and he has two boys. And we were talking about Liliana going to like the father-daughter dance, and he's like, "Oh, I'll never get to that." Like, that's true. But I'm like, honestly, I'm like, you don't have to deal with like the drama of these girls. I'm like, there's definitely some trade-offs for sure. Um, oh, yeah. And it, and it's funny because they they love, of course. they love yeah. their mother, my wife. Like, oh, my God, every night, like, it's a joke because they're, you know, if we're sitting watching a movie or something, they're fighting to, well, I'm sitting here with mom and I'm sitting next to mom and well, I'm on the other just- couch, you know. All by myself. It's like, yeah, there's plenty of room over here. Come Everybody on, Dad's over sit here with by me. Himself. Oh my goodness. Right? Well, yeah. she just gets to be like the queen of the castle yeah. because with all the boys. So good for her. Yeah. Um, no, what I was gonna say right. though is I feel like especially when it's your your firstborn that, you know, has has some unique challenges, sometimes we don't necessarily see those in the same way. But I know like for us, then when we had Liliana, even though Logan was already you know, had been through early intervention at that point was in like a special needs preschool program. I realized as she started developing how different local development looked. So what did mm-hmm. you have like any kind of, you know, light bulbs go off then when you saw like your. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just as far as like, you know, the amount of time Daniel's our middle guy, like he could sit and you know, pay attention or whatever, um, you know, physically he was, uh, everything just came a lot easier to, to him than, than it did to Alex. Like, you know, Daniel was just one of those kids that like mm-hmm. just picked everything up right away. Like everything came easy to him. He didn't really have to, he didn't really have to work or struggle for it. Like Alex was everything, everything yeah. was a process. Like even, even now, like he just got his junior black belt in karate and they, um, modified like some of their expectations for him. Like he can't do sit-ups with his low muscle tone. And, you know, Alex is a big boy too. So that doesn't help either. He's, uh, he's about five feet tall, probably 130 pounds. Oh, he, (laughs) yeah, he's huge. So, um, you know, he's a big kid. Uh, so that didn't help either. But, you know, like I, I told you earlier, you know, 
uh, it took Alex a year and a half to learn how to ride his bike without any training wheels. And Daniel picked it up the first Isn't time. Isn't that so interesting? And like you and saying, it's like, it's so bittersweet oh, yeah. because, you know, you obviously you don't want any of your children to struggle, but at the same time, it's like after a year and a half of hard work for him to have that moment of riding his bike, I'm sure was like such victory. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Oh yeah, you appreciate the it. The highs are like milestone. so much yes. higher. I mean, obviously the lows are lower too. Um, yeah. But yeah, I always think that's interesting when I talk to people who have more than one child because I do think sometimes, and like for you, like how you were saying, like you found that podcast and you were kind of putting that together. So w- when you did hear from the behavioral therapist and she agreed with you that you know it could be autism, was that like surprising or was that hard for you to hear or were you like totally expecting it? I was totally expecting it. It wasn't hard at all. Um, And I, you know, to me, it wasn't like uh, neither of us really had like that moment where Mm -hmm. like, oh man, this sucks. It's like, all right, let's go. What do we got to, you know, like, like now I'm fighting getting ABA. I think probably like you said, because you guys jumped into the advocate role so early in his life. It was like, you know, you're just kind of picking that up in a different way. And especially in Alex's situation, like he made a one in a million recovery, like just besides all the ADHD and autism and everything um, that like, all right, like he's got autism. It could (laughs) be a lot worse. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like kids that have been through what he's been through or, you know, they're not living, they're not living uh, the life. Do you guys think about that? often like from where his story kind of started and just like where he is now yeah once in a while just because there's so many like questions that doctors will never be able to answer like i'll be honest there's times where we think like you know would he have any of these uh autism or spd or anything like that if it hadn't been for what happened to him um would you know what i mean but uh, you know like that's a what if and yeah uh, you know i mean i think there's so much about autism that's like unknown just frustrating um right but i think and and i get those questions a lot from people like like why do you think this or what do you think about this and honestly like my natural inclination is is always to be like I don't necessarily want to question the origin I just want to move forward and yeah and I don't fault parents especially like early in the journey if they feel like they they do want some answers I just always feel like you're it's better if you can like make peace with with not knowing certain things because you probably won't get those answers and even if you do they're probably not the ones you're looking for yeah, but I, right. I'm curious about that, especially because like you had filled me in on that a little bit um, prior to recording this. And I was wondering that because I don't know much about shaken baby syndrome, but in terms of like development and like what. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, yeah, they'll they'll never be able to say it. In fact, I had a appointment with his just a checkup with his neurologist a few months ago and um because we had some questions about whether or not there was any kind of like permanent brain damage or anything. Mm -hmm. Alex is a terrible sleeper. So we're always, that was something we always wondered, like, does he, 
you know, does he sleep so poorly because of what happened? And, you know, they flat out told us there's absolutely no brain damage. There's no mm. permanent brain damage anymore. Like whatever, all the injuries he he's had has, you know, you know, some, somehow amazing. or other they're healed. Oh, I know. It's completely amazing. Like, yeah. Well, especially, you know, um, you know with, with my sister recently being diagnosed with brain cancer and having her surgery, we are, you know, constantly talking to doctors about like, just like some of the like visual and motor deficits she has and like, will those come back or will they not? Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, in therapy and it, it's, it really is amazing because the, the brain is so it, it takes a long time for it to heal. But like, as they're explaining to us, it's like her brain right. is literally making new neuro pathways. And it's like, she's, you know, learning things that she did one way her whole life. It's not that she can't do them. It's just like, she literally has to learn a new way to do them her brain has to like process them differently um it's it's so it's so interesting and i mean that's just that's really like encouraging <laughs> to hear that it's like his brain is completely healed yeah right yeah i know it, but it, yeah it, absolutely. You know, it so i know you said now you guys are you're still kind of in limbo and you and i were talking i think it was last week and you said they were talking about starting aba over zoom and you're like how is this supposed to work yeah right god i don't get that i don't get that you know to me it's like i don't understand how you know that all like to me at least from what i hear you and other parents say like how does aba work over zoom like he sees a behavior therapist and they've done that over zoom and that's great but like i think back to when we had the physical therapists and the occupational therapists and all that, everybody else and the behavior people that were coming mm-hmm. in and out of our house. There's no way that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not ideal. And I think it does depend on each kid. Cause I have talked to, to listeners where they're like, yeah, my, my child does, you know, two hour sessions over zoom. I Logan, that would never work for. I was right. telling you like, we tend to do, I mean, thankfully he's back in therapy now, but when we were doing the Zoom sessions, like they had to be much shorter and they had to be planned like really, really well. And we did still work breaks into the Zoom session. So I think it is just a lot Mm -hmm. of, you know, kind of trial and error, figuring out like what works best for him. But at the same time, it's not ideal in person, I think is definitely better. (laughs) I'm hoping that we'll be able to do that somewhat soon. Yeah. I'm sure well, we and you were telling me I'm that sure at least at this will. point it seems like school will be in person so that's really great yeah yeah we just uh, got an email from their school on Friday that all IEP kids will be uh, in school that's five great. days a week which I get you know I know everybody's concerned and everything but at least from Alex's perspective uh you know, he needs, you know, he needs that routine and that schedule and that social interaction with his teachers and, you know. With Absolutely. No, I, I mean, I'm, I know it's like such a hot topic right now. Everyone's debating. I think anyone who listens right. to this podcast, though, understands the importance of in-person learning and routine and schedule and just kind of things back on track. I mean, I, I, yeah. I have talked to parents who, you know, they're still thinking they're going to keep their kids home and I fully support that too. It's, it's really just like to each their own. You have to do what's best for, for your family and for yourself. Yeah. And nobody exactly. can, can really have an issue with that in my opinion. Yeah. 
Well, I'm so no. glad we finally got the opportunity to chat and thank you so much sharing your story it's, oh, yeah. it really is like such a journey for you guys and i'm just so glad that you know alex is is doing well and it sounds like your whole family is and you and your wife really are just like amazing parents and advocates and i'm so happy to have connected with you you're doing thank a you great we're trying job. <laughs> you really are Aww. all right well you it. take care and i'm sure we'll talk soon all right take care bye absolutely For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like Something Borrowed or Something Blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Fred. He is just so much fun and so easygoing and so easy to talk to. Like I said at the beginning, I am so excited for him that he has his own podcast now, and I think that he is just a total natural. Um, And yeah, listening to his journey is, it, it was so interesting and so many twists and turns. I remember when he had first, you know, reached out to me and he told me that his son had a ADHD and SPD diagnosis and that they were, you know, seeking this diagnosis for autism. Now that he was 10, I was really excited to get him on the show because I feel like so often, especially now we hear about kids being diagnosed, you know, really young. Um, even like when Logan was diagnosed, this was a few, just a few years ago, I got a lot of pushback for him at, at his age, which when I first began seeking the diagnosis, he was about three. He didn't get diagnosed until he had just turned four because uh, of an extremely long wait list. But even then, I had a lot of medical professionals and therapists and teachers telling me to wait until he was closer to five. And it just seemed like getting an early diagnosis was not as commonplace. Whereas now I talk to people who, you know, their child is two or earlier and they have gotten a diagnosis. But I still think there are are so many who, you know, like Fred and his son, the, the path is just not the same for everyone. And that's one of the reasons why I, you know, I'm so happy to do this show and kind of show all the different ways that you can come about this diagnosis and I mean we all know that good old phrase if you know one person with autism you know one person with autism and 
it's it's a little overused, but my goodness, it is so true. And same goes for the autism journey. It's like everyone's, even if there's things you can relate to and there's similarities, it's it's all so, so different. So I'm sure there are people listening who can really relate to that of having, you know, a child who's a little bit older seeking a diagnosis. I actually have a couple friends who I've talked to recently who have older children and they are seeking a diagnosis now. So yeah, like I said, I just, I love having all types of stories on the show. And I'm so thankful to Fred for sharing his journey with his son. And again, for starting his podcast, definitely go check out the Spectrum Dad podcast. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast or on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod. Or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Like I said at the beginning, I love to hear from you guys. I love getting you know, questions, comments, feedback about the show. If there's things you want to hear, let me know. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, I would love to hear from you. The best way to do that is probably to send me an email and just give me a little backstory about what we would talk about if you were a guest. And yeah, I look forward to hearing from all of you. Again, if you're enjoying the show and you'd be so kind to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that really, really helps people to find the show. And if you don't have time to write a review, honestly, just tap in that five star is very helpful as well. Um, But that is all for today. And until next time, take care. (music) Thank <music> you.